0: eight
1: years I'm Lindsay Cole I always knew from a young age that I wanted to adopt um, it's just something that was always on my heart and how I saw um, myself forming a family um, and Nate wasn't quite there yet and so I knew I had to wait until um, God was leading him to that too so that it was something we were doing together um, so it was about four years into our marriage and we started coming to rolling hills and joined a small group and who had adoptive families in it. And just through exposure and meeting people, Nate said, you know, we should talk about adopting. um, And of course I was ready and said, let's do it. I've got the paperwork, let's go.
0: So I think it was a couple years into the the wait, we got a referral for, um, I think at that time he was a nine month old boy.
1: And we got the picture and just fell fell in love with him right away. Unfortunately, it took a lot longer than we had anticipated. So during that time, it was challenging because we were thinking about all the milestones that we were missing, um, all the moments, the first that he was experiencing that we weren't there for. We had a lot of community and friends around us um, who supported us, but nobody in that particular situation who could specifically relate to us. um, And just feeling a sense of kind of loneliness in it. Um, That night I stayed up late. Um, searching on Google for Taiwan adoption blogs, and I came across a mom's blog, um, and her family was adopting from Taiwan, and they were using the same agency out of California, so I knew I had to reach out to her, and I did. And once we connected, she told me that two weeks ago they had actually moved to Franklin. At that moment, we found out that their son in Taiwan was actually at the same orphanage as our son.
0: So it was October 2016, we were able to fly over there to the orphanage and him and
1: We later on have discovered pictures of our sons together, and that relationship and friendship has been amazing and can only be orchestrated by God. We don't have to have all the details figured out. Um, we didn't have the finances figured out. We didn't know what the timing was going to look like. He's written the story in a much more beautiful way than we could have ever imagined.
0: just in case you needed a reminder that god's got a plan even when we may not have a plan i would assume that most of us are perfectly fine taking matters into our own hands when things aren't working out like we want them to i know that i certainly am when something doesn't go my way or perhaps there's a lack of leadership i'm really happy to to take the reins and fill in the gap so to speak i could share with you lots of examples perhaps this has happened to you before you've been standing in a line and there didn't really seem to be much organization of the line and you thought to yourself if i could just get a megaphone i could orchestrate these people and and, and prevent those who are line jumping four people up from actually doing that. Or if you're like me, sometimes you go to events or you're at an event or a party and you have to kind of keep your opinions to yourself because you think to yourself, there is a better way to organize this function, but I'm not in charge. So I'm going to just kind of be one of the people who are there enjoying it i i found in my life and maybe this is true for you that it's hardwired in us to be willing to assert a plan even if someone else has a plan it's so hardwired in us for to, to be able to say you know what i'm going to be in charge even though someone else might technically be in charge my question to you is does that stop at waiting in line or does that allow or does that principle bleed over into other areas of our life I, I find that it assuredly does we're actually very comfortable with speaking into situations where we may not be the one who has the plan whether it's our kids education or whether it's something at our place of employment we can easily look in and say you know what i'm going to do something different even if i've not been given the authority to do something different i find that in my life it actually that principle even bleeds over into my spiritual life that the spiritual life sometimes follows this same filter and it sounds a little bit like this I believe or I'm supposed to believe I should say that God has a plan but when God is not coming through as I want him to come through or when God is not coming through with the specifics that I am looking for how quick am I to take control of the situation opposed to allowing him to continue to work. This morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to look at the snapshot of the life of David and Saul, and we're going to be looking at this principle of how do I stay true to what God is desiring to do in my life, what God has promised that he's going to do in my life, even when the timing might be a little off. Or even when it might look a little bit different than i thought it should look know that i'm so grateful that you're here with us this morning and i'm going to ask you to pray with me as we dig into god's word and we're going to ask him to do what only he can do here in this place this morning let's pray together lord thank you for this beautiful day of life thank you for an opportunity to be in your presence i pray that you would speak to each and every heart that's here i pray that through the power of the holy spirit and through your word that you would um, reach us and mold us and shape us i pray for those of us in the room right now that are struggling to trust your timing that you would help us to draw strength from your word today or maybe there's a plan that we know that you have and yet we're trying to take authority over something that you have and lord i'd ask that you would give us the courage and the wisdom to to be able to remain and to to be still and to trust you more than we trust Ourselves. I thank you for the story of David and Saul that we're going to read and study about today. And I pray that you would meet us right here in the middle of it. It's in the name of Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. Now, I've got to give you a little bit of an update as to how we got to this point today. Some of you are visiting with us for the first time today. And we're so thankful that you're here. When you came in this morning, you received a worship guide. And on that worship guide are notes. And every week I, I go through and I, I have some blanks that I will fill in. And you'll see those words up here on the screen. And so if you're like me, that helps me pay attention so i just assume that everybody else uh, wants those and so you can kind of follow along maybe throughout the course of the week if there's something that sticks out to you you can go back and look at that on the bottom part of that card is also a place for you to share with us something that's going on in your life if there's anything going on in your life today Whether you're a first-time guest or you've been with us for two or three years now, please take a moment and, and share that with us. It's a prayer request or a praise. At the very end of the service, there's going to be an offering basket that will come by your seat, and you can place that in there. And we would love to follow up with you. Again, if you're a guest, if you would be comfortable sharing with us just a little bit of your information also, we'd love to follow up with you this week to share with you what God is doing here in the life of Rolling Hills. But for all of you who have been with us for the summer series, and perhaps some of you are new today, we're in this series called I Am David, where we're looking at the character David and today what we're going to do is cover a lot of ground so I want you to find your proverbial seatbelt and I want you to buckle up okay because we're we're going to be going pretty fast today and we're going to cover a lot of ground in the life of David and this guy named Saul but in case this story is brand new to you I want to share with you what is going on what gets us to this point see Saul was the first king of Israel and Israel did not need a king because God was their king God wanted to be their ultimate authority but all the other nations had a king so what did they want a king because everybody else had a king and so God gave them a king named Saul and Saul did okay for a while and then he eventually started to allow the evil trappings of the world to define his leadership more than to consult with what God would have to say, and so he gets on this really treacherous path of where he's now making evil decisions. He's disobeying God, and so God takes him off the throne, and he says, the anointing has left you, and it's going to go to someone new, and the person that it goes to new is David, and David is this young shepherd boy, and a little bit later, after receiving that anointing, some of you know the story, where he fights the giant Goliath, and he's able to slay the giant, and now David is the one who is newly appointed king. Saul's still alive, so he's still on the throne, but as soon as he dies, David is going to be newly appointed king. The Lord is blessing David. The Lord is making David successful, so you can imagine Saul is not happy about this. So much so, Saul says, I'm going to kill him. And we're just going to take him out of, the, out of the earth so I don't have to deal with him anymore. Instead of being excited for David, he's really jealous of David. And that's where we get to basically at this point in the story. Now, what Saul is doing is he's not only not wanting David to succeed he's not wanting David to have breath in his lungs anymore and so he's trying to kill him he's trying to to truly stop him from being on the earth and so first Samuel kind of 15 all the way through where we are today tells us this story of Saul chasing David around and I, I laughed a couple of weeks ago and I said you know David's beautifully playing a harp for Saul and Saul throws a spear at him to try to take him off the face of this earth that's the situation that we find ourselves in and the, the backstory where we to today. And so I see in this passage, and you'll see it pretty quickly here as well, that you've kind of got these divergent leadership methods here. You've got these people who are choosing to see a situation differently. You've got David, who's ultimately trusting in God, and you've got Saul, who's ultimately trusting in himself. And the Bible is filled with stories about my plans versus God's plans. But this story gives us a beautiful playbook about how we are to relate in those situations where God might not be doing what we want him to do in the timing that we want it, or perhaps God is giving us an opportunity to go around his plan even though he's telling us to remain faithful in his plan. And so this morning, uh, the, our, our hope and goal is that this word will, will speak to you and that there will be something in here that you can relate to. Now, undoubtedly, out of the gate, I want to give you something that you can fill in there on, on, on your blanks. Undoubtedly, out of the gate, you're, you're going to find this. And some of you have found this already in the four hours that you've been up today. And if not already, you're going to find this at some point today. You will be presented with opportunities every day to allow God to fulfill his plans and his timing or for you to fulfill your plans and your timing can i get an amen this happens if this has not happened to you on sunday yet just be ready this is going to happen to you at some point throughout the course of this day where you're going to be presented with opportunities every day to allow god to fulfill his plans in his timing or for you to fulfill your plans in your timing i've uh, jokingly subtitled this sermon the tale of two leaders because it's this continuation of i'm going to allow god to work which is where david is coming from and then you've got Saul who says no i'm going to try and do the work if you've ever attempted to fulfill a plan without god being in it then that's a pretty easy thing to do It's pretty easy for you to try to make up your own plan, isn't it? It's pretty easy for you to try to to kind of circumvent what it is that God would desire to do because for whatever reason, maybe the timing isn't working out. But in the absence of things going like I think they should go, no matter how happy I am to go my own way, it doesn't mean that's the best plan. And David and Saul are showing us this picture in fact a little bit later in Psalm chapter 20 verse 7 there's a Psalm of David it's this beautiful uh, Psalm of David in chapter 20 verse 7 the same guy that we're studying here pinned this Psalm a little bit later and he says some trust in chariots and some trust in horses but we trust in the name of the Lord our God it's this a beautiful verse so what is David saying here David is saying that you and I are going to place our trust somewhere And we're going to have all the reasons that we have placed our trust in that specific place. But if I desire to allow God to do what he desires, then where do I place my trust? Do I place my trust in the chariots and the horses and the things of this world? Or do I place my trust in him? And so if that's our desire this morning, then we're going to grapple with this question of what does that look like? What are the steps that I need to take? What are the questions that I need to be answering right now that will get my heart and my Life lined up with my ability to trust that God's going to fulfill his plan and his timing. So the first thing that we have to do is you have to take an intentional and honest look at your heart and your character. And you have to just evaluate what is it that's driving me. Because after hearing all of these evil plans and all these evil intentions of Saul towards David, what did David do? David continued to grow in trusting God and believing God, whereas Saul continued down his evil path. He continued down a path. Both of them were showing us who they really are. Both of them were giving us a real clear descriptor of who they are. The old adage holds true. It's one of the best pieces of relationship advice and leadership advice that I've ever been given. And I, in turn, would like to give it to you. It's this old adage that holds true that when someone shows you who they are, believe them, right? When someone shows you who they are, believe them. I'm, sometimes I'm in, in a, a counseling situation and someone will, will tell me, hey, well, you know, he always acted that way. And I, I, I look at them with grace and say, well, talk to me about when you think he's going to change acting that way. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. When somebody on your team is habitually late every day, just know that's a constant thing that you're going to have to deal with. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. What David has done is he showed us who he is. And what Saul has done is he has showed us who he is. And time after time, they are continuing to just manifest themselves through these either lack of character in Saul or a god, godly-focused character that you see with David. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 3 through 5, you, you get this snapshot, this, this beautiful picture of what David is doing for his heart and what David is doing in terms of his leadership with his troops. But again, keep in mind, Saul is chasing David around, okay? He is chasing him around, trying to kill him, and David and his, his troops are hungry, and, and, and they're in need of some food. And in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 3, we're told that they go, into, um, they go in to talk to Ahimelech, who is a priest, and they ask him for food. And Ahimelech is going to tell them that the only food that I have is food that is consecrated, and not everybody can eat that food. You have to have, your body has to be very ceremonially clean to eat that. And so in verse 3, David says now then what do you have on hand give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find but the priest answered David I don't have any ordinary bread on hand however there is some consecrated bread here provided the men have kept themselves from women and David replied indeed women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out the men's things are holy even on missions that are not holy how much more so today so see what David said is my men they're in need of food and they need to eat bread from the temple but they can't be ceremonially unclean to eat that and Ahimelech says have they followed all of the rules and David assures the priest I have taken the extra steps to make sure that they are in a holy place I'm not just doing the minimum I'm not just doing the minimum to get by but rather I'm making sure that their hearts and that their physical bodies are in the right place so that whatever the situation might be when we were gonna need bread that was consecrated that we would be able to eat it David is showing us who he is he's showing us a part of his character now compare that with Saul again Saul is Saul the bad guy or the good guy Saul's the bad guy compare it to Saul go over to first Samuel chapter 22 verse 8 and let's see how Saul responds this is Saul responding when he hears about what God is doing to David and he hears about the blessings that are happening with David and he says in verse 8 is that why you all have conspired against me no one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse none of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie and wait for me as he does today So when Saul hears about what's happening in David's life, he goes to gloom and despair. David is trying to prepare his men for holy works. That's where his character is leading him to do. What is Saul doing? He's saying, why are you guys conjuring up plans behind my back? No one's telling me about anything that's going on. No one is is inviting me into their conversations. You see this clear picture of Saul who is saying, it's all about me. And this picture of David who says, no, I'm going to set myself and my men apart for God's plans and God's purposes. You've got David saying, what can I do to ensure that the needs of others are going to be met? And you've got Saul over here saying, what can I do to make sure that my needs are being met? Because everybody's talking behind my back and nobody's sharing any plans with me. So in order to grapple with this question of how can I truly trust God to fulfill his plan, in his timing I need to look at the condition of my heart and I need to kind of dissect my heart and see what's in my heart where am I starting from in fact if you lead from a place of jealousy or insecurity it's going to be difficult for you to fulfill God's plans and God's timing the question at hand this morning is do you lead from a place of jealousy and insecurity or do you lead from a place of confidence because of who God is that's a question we've got a answer for ourselves this morning do i lead from a place of jealousy and insecurity or rather with confidence because of who god is when i assess the situation or when you assess the situation in your life some of us are probably finding this that we want and we trust and we believe that god has something in store but we're coming at it from a place of jealousy and insecurity and it's just not going to work When our operating system is jealousy or insecurity and and we wonder why is God not working things out? Why is God not making his plans so clear to me? It's possible that God isn't making his plan clear because jealousy and insecurity are really self-seeking tendencies. And we shouldn't expect God to necessarily work through our self-seeking tendencies. Why is jealousy um, such an issue? Why did Saul struggle with this so much? See, jealousy doesn't allow me to be happy for anyone else. It doesn't allow me to be happy with what the Lord has blessed you with, but it causes me to compare and wish that whatever the Lord had blessed me with was a little bit more significant than what he had blessed you with. See, insecurity doesn't allow me to focus on anyone but myself. And I'm rarely going to grow to a deeper level of faith and trust and dependence on God when I'm more concerned with myself than I am with others. I'm certainly not going to grow in a deeper dependence on God and trust in God when I'm more concerned with myself than what it is that God wants to do. See, jealousy and insecurity, they also make it really hard for you to be patient, don't they? makes it really hard for you to wait and to be able to trust that God is in the midst of something, even if you may not be able to see it in the moment. Now, compare that to what it means to have confidence in God, a confidence that God is going to do what he says he is going to do. A confidence that God is going to fulfill his plans and his promises and that God is in the midst of every situation. There's a God who holds the world together, the savior of this universe that cares about me and what I might even deem my insignificant needs. Or it might not be even significant for for it to register with God that God cares for me in the midst of that. We spent the last part of this week with my parents up in Kentucky, and I grew up in a very rural part of Kentucky, and one night, uh, my wife Jacqueline and I went out on the back porch, and we were just looking at the stars because the stars are so much prettier in rural areas than they are here in the city or the suburbs or whatever the case may be. We have too many street lights, and we have too many kind of things to, uh, city lights or whatever the case might be, to see them, and so we went outside one night, and there's like no light anywhere except the moon and the stars, and I was just looking at the twinkling of the stars, and, and I thought to myself, the God who set those in place cares about me. The God who flung the planets into orbit, he cares about little old me here in Nolansville, Tennessee, and he wants me to trust his timing. And friends, that gives me great confidence, and I hope and pray that that gives you great confidence in your life as well that the jealousy and the insecurity don't have to rear their ugly heads because you can be confident in who God is. Now, I'm not telling you to go out of here and be arrogant and say, God is good and he's going to do everything exactly like I want him to, you know, because he's good. That, that's not the case, but a confidence in who he is. Because, see, God had promised David that he was going to be king. It wasn't just some idea. It was a promise that God had made. What was getting in the way of that promise, though? Saul the guy who's trying to kill him. He's the one getting in the way of the promise. David's over here playing a harp, and Saul's throwing a spear at him. He's chasing him across the mountains. You could say this was a pretty big obstacle, a pretty big giant that was standing right in the way of David's life. The same could be said of us. We often know that God has a plan, but there's a big obstacle that it's making it difficult for us to continue to trust god in the midst of that and so what we often try to do is to take matters into our own hands the lord may have even made his plan very clear to us and we're hitting some roadblocks right now or maybe we're hitting some detours are we going to persist and say no i I know god that you're in this or are we going to kind of go our own way watch what happens here because david is going to be tested Again, David is trying to follow God, but watch what happens specifically here in 1 Samuel chapter 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En-Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Um, That is talking about what you think it is talking about. Okay, just let your mind go does that what does this bible mean when it says that Saul went in to relieve himself that is exactly what the way that you would use the word to relieve yourself so the men saw this and they said this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish and then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe and afterward David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe and he said to his men the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master the Lord's anointed or lift my hand against him for he is the anointed of the Lord and with these words David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul and Saul left the cave and went his way and then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul my Lord the king and when Saul looked behind him David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground and he said to Saul why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. How cool is this story? Saul has been chasing David. Saul has been trying to kill David. David happens to be camped in the back of the cave that Saul comes into with some toilet paper to relieve himself. David could have easily went up and taken saul's life but he wouldn't take matters into his own hands why because he knew it wasn't the right thing to do david's own men were encouraging him it's right here in verse four david's own men were saying god has brought the giant to you please go slay him and david says no i know that my greatest obstacle is right in front of me but this is not god's plan for me to do this in this moment Which begs us to ask the question, are you willing to do the right thing or wait for the right thing, even if it's more difficult or it may not make sense in the moment? Are you willing to do the right thing or wait for the right thing, even if it's more difficult or even if it may not make sense in the moment? It's one of these questions that we're going to have to struggle with because it's what's going to separate us from really getting it and not getting it. David knew that the Lord had promised And in the midst of that promise he still had an opportunity to take matters into his own hands he still had an opportunity to go rogue if you will and you're going to see that saul um, ultimately is spared and and he's going to kind of act like he's repentant in that moment but specifically with us and with david we're going to struggle to see god's plan fulfilled if we don't trust that god's timing is the best because the last thing that god needs us to do is to try to run ahead of his plan He doesn't need us to run ahead of his plan when he's the one who's given us the promise now we may not know the specifics of his plan but we can trust very generally that he's going to care for us from scripture and that from beginning to end he's the one who's directing our steps and he's going to be the one working in the midst of our situations i often think about my wife and i and our two children and our children ages five and two And the the amount of plans that we share with them, you know, we kind of tell them what we're doing throughout the course of the day. But I don't necessarily give them voting rights when it comes to, you know, where are we going to go eat or where do we want to go on vacation? Why? Because they can't really understand how to make the best decision. Because at this season in their life, I actually do know best. (laughs) Contrary to what the preschooler says. I do truly know best I do have their best their best interest in mind and I am able to see the picture from a little bit of a different angle than they are because they're incapable of making the best decision but what do we do with God we assume that our finite minds know more than his and that we can trust what our little minds would say and often what's going to happen is we're going to miss some amazing blessings because we, we, we we decide to do something that's not God's best and God is going to give us these repeated opportunities to either trust him or to trust ourself. And we've got to simply say, what are we going to do? Now, if you keep going in the story, this is so cool to me. If you keep going in the story, did you guys know David has actually presented another opportunity just like this one? Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 9 through 11. What happens? David and his troop leader, whose name is Abishai, They show up, and Saul and all of his troops are dead asleep. Dead asleep. They are like sitting ducks out there. And here is Saul and his his leader, Abishai. And they look at him, and David says, I'm sorry, uh, Abishai looks at David, and this is in 1 Samuel 26, verses 9 through 11. Abishai says, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Verse 9, David said, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. How cool is this? David says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to allow God to sort it out in his timing. I'm going to trust that God is going to work in my life and that He's going to work in the life of Saul to do whatever it is that He desires to do. And the Lord's given him another opportunity to make the right decision or the wrong decision. Saul is given multiple opportunities to make the right decision or the wrong decision. At the end of this, after Saul realizes that he's been spared again, what does He say in verse 21? He says in verse 21 I have sinned. Come back, David, my son. Because you considered my life precious today, I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have erred greatly. Do you think? Time after time, when he's spared, when God spares his life, he says, I'm repentant, I'm going to do better. And those promises weren't followed through with. See, if you want to be like Saul, which my hope and prayer is that you don't, We want to be like david right we're we're in this series i am david so we want to choose what it is that david's doing but if we want to be like saul then make promises to god and the world simultaneously and try to go both directions if you want to lead like saul which don't okay don't write this don't don't go out of here and say i want to lead like saul but if you want to lead like saul this is what you need to do make promises to god and the world simultaneously and try to go both paths some of us have tried that I've tried that and what I've come to grips with is that you can't make promises to God and the world simultaneously and be committed in both directions. You just can't do it. You cannot make promises to God and the world simultaneously and be committed to both directions. We just can't do it. It sounds like a broken record, doesn't it? Some of us self-included have lived like this where we say, you know what? I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a little bit more committed to Jesus. I'm going to try to go east and west at the same time and see if I can arrive at my destination. I'm going to try to go north and south at the same time and see if I can get to where I need to be. Whereas if I try to go two directions at once, where am I going to get to? Nowhere. Or right back where I started. And so Saul's trying to make promises to God, I'm repentant, and then simultaneously goes by the way of the world. I read a story just this week it happened I think last Sunday and it was so interesting to me some of you may have seen this story it happened out in Aurora Colorado right outside of Denver where there was this Google Maps debacle I don't know if anybody read about this but there was this Google Maps debacle where there were a hundred drivers that took an alternate route that Google Maps told them to go there was a vehicle crash and Google Maps pops up and says there is an alternate route that's going to take half of the time and so a hundred cars end up on this one-way dirt road and it's been raining a lot, evidently like it had been here. And so what's at the end of the one-way dirt road? A mud pit. And so car after car is driving into this mud pit, and now they're backed up a hundred cars. This is on the news. I'm not making this up. Go, go Google this story later. Well, Google it. Uh, so trust Google. I mean, I read this on Google, so they're okay, I guess, with sharing their flaws. A hundred cars have backed up on this road. And they have this amazing quote from this lady. I mean, again, I can't make this stuff up. So there's talking, the news is reporting on this, and and a direct quote from one of the drivers who was stuck. And she says, and I quote, my thought was, well, there are all these other cars in front of me, so it must be okay. So I just continued. The question is, why did Google send us out here to begin with? There was no turning back once you got out there. And I read that quote and I thought, this is sermon gold. I mean just thank you I mean I needed this story for my message today everybody else is doing it it seemed kind of strange that we were going down a dirt road but once we got out there there was no turning back have you seen that to be true in your life I have you kind of follow what everybody else is doing and then you get out there and you realize there's not any turning back and I'm out here now in this territory where I can't trust the world and God simultaneously And I have to course correct, and I have to say no. I'm going to trust you, God. Trust that you have the plan. What happens is often we make promises to God, and we try to make promises to the world at the same time, and we try to build momentum for God in the midst of that. And this story reminds us that that's not going to happen. And Jesus himself himself reminds us that that's not going to happen either. How do we know that? Because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus, with his followers, said no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. Specifically when it comes to money, he says you can't serve both God and money. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus says no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God, he's saying you've got to be all in. You can't be plowing a field and have one hand on the plow and one hand looking back doing something else in matthew 16 24 jesus says to his disciples whoever wants to be my disciple what does he have to do he has to deny himself he has to deny himself daily and take up his cross and follow I me mean, it's possible this morning that we might be struggling to gain momentum and trusting god's timing because we've made a lot of promises to god and we haven't been willing to keep those promises or we've made a lot of commitments but we're not striving to do what it is that he actually desires to do whether it's a heart issue or whether it's an obedience issue we may not understand why he's not bringing the momentum it's possible that the momentum's not come because we're not doing anything to keep the commitments we're not exercising any discipline saul did not exercise any discipline in fact the spirit of the lord had left him so much so in first samuel 28 verse 7 when he needed assistance he went to a medium he went to a, a, an incantist, a, a spiritist, this woman at Endor, and says, I need some help. I, I need somebody to give me some guidance, whereas David continually trusted in the Lord. So where do you draw your strength and your wisdom from as you navigate through life? When we look at the day that's ahead of us, when we look at the decisions that are ahead of us that we need to make for ourselves or our family or whatever the case might be, where do we draw our strength and our wisdom from? James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And God gives it to you generously without finding fault. And that wisdom will come to you. Do you default to what you know is best? Or do you f- default to what God can do and what God desires to do? Do I default to my own strength or do I look to him for wisdom? This tale of two leaders has a leader trusting God and then a leader trusting himself. We have a leader who's keeping the promises that he makes to God, and then we've got the leader who's making these empty promises. We've got a leader who's confident in who God is, and then we've got a leader who's really jealous and insecure in what's happening. We've got a leader who trusts, and we've got a leader who seeks to control. See, David consistently allowed God to set the agenda. But what did Saul do? Not that. (laughs) David consistently allowed God to set the agenda, and Saul did not. So who do you desire to live like? Who do you desire to be like? See, Saul would do anything to kill David, but David wouldn't do anything to disobey the Lord. Saul was all in when it came to killing David. David was all in when it it came to obeying God. So as the story plays out, and I know I've covered a ton of ground this morning, but as the story plays out, if you go to the end of 1 Samuel, Saul dies and the anointing leaves him and his struggles continue to increase up on his death to tie a big bow around this portion of this text up on his death in 2nd Samuel chapter 1 verse 17 David took up his lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan even up on his arch enemy his arch nemesis being taken out he finally now can take over the throne David had a sense of lament he had a sense of sadness over the loss of Saul even in his death the death of his enemy he's turning to God so who do you desire to be like do you desire to be like David or do you desire to be like Saul are there some heart issues that you need to work on this morning are there some obedience issues that you need to say Lord work here in the midst of this in a way that only you can and my hope and my prayer is that you would do the hard work this morning The hard work this morning to say, Lord, whatever it is that you would desire to do, do in and through me so that I can be like David. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? The band's going to come out, and they're going to lead us in a time of response. And perhaps this morning, um, you'd like to pray. Perhaps this morning, you just need to make a commitment to say, God, I'm going to trust you.